This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. It's River to River from IPR News. I'm Ben Kiefer. Labor strife shook the entertainment industry for most of 2023 with artificial intelligence, a big concern. Now those strikes are over. Agreements for actors and writers have been ratified. So this hour, we're hearing three perspectives from uh, three working in Hollywood in the entertainment business, uh, how AI and other factors are changing uh, that work atmosphere. Uh, joining us live for the entire hour, Toby Ac- Toby Huss is an actor who has played parts in over 150 TV shows and films going back to the 1990s. His credits include King of the Hill, Halt and Catch Fire, uh, The Al Yankovic Story, uh, the TV series Fatal Attraction, and many others. Toby is a Marshalltown native. Here's a little sound treat from one of Toby's works going back, I think, to the 90s. Um, here he played uh, one of Elaine's love interests on Seinfeld, where in a sort of meta twist, he played a very recognizable role. Hey, Jerry. I'd like you to meet someone. This is Jack. Nobody beat me because I'm the whiz. Yes, I'm the whiz. I'm the Wiz. Oh, no. Oh, yes. I'm the Wiz. I'm the Wiz. What about your fact-checking job? Oh, here's the fact. Uh, I'm the Wiz. (laughs) Toby Huss joining us live from uh, L.A. via Zoom. Toby, I hope you're there. I am. (laughs) I am. I, I just caught the tail end of me being the Wiz. Yeah, that goes back a few years, doesn't it? (laughs) <laughs> it does. Yeah. Well, you, that was fun time. You've been in so many things over, what, 30-odd years. Uh, when you give a, a yeah. one-minute uh, elevator pitch to, to someone who may be interested and say, what, what what have you done? How do you encapsulate that in, in a short amount of time? You just kind of shrug and go, eh, I've done a bunch of junk. And then <laughs> hopefully they find something on the Internet that they like. <laughs> All right, joining us with us, uh, thanks to your connection, Toby, uh, Al Higgins with, is with us as well, a writer and producer, I believe born in Des Moines. His work also goes back to the 1990s, credits including The John Stewart Show, Malcolm in the Middle, and The Kaminsky Method. Here's a little clip from The Kaminsky Method uh, that involved Al Higgins. Uh, he worked on uh, several shows. Here's uh, The Kaminsky Method starring uh, Michael Douglas and the late Alan Arkin. You know, I wake up every morning, my first thought is, what part of me is not working today? Yeah, we are passengers on boats slowly sinking. Your boat is slow? I'm like when the Titanic was pointing up. Oh, we do miss Alan Arkin. Al Higgins, uh, are you there joining us live, I believe, on a set <clears throat> from L.A.? Welcome. Yes, yes, man. I'm on, uh, I'm on the Warner Brothers lot uh, outside of Stage 25, where the Big Bang Theory was shot. Exciting, exciting stuff. (laughs) Thank you very much, both of you, for joining us as you get back into action. Morning, Al. Morning, Tobe. Uh, Let's get, first of all... (laughs) Happy uh, birthday, Tobe. It was Toby's birthday was yesterday. Oh, no, thank he, you. Toby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Well, Al, Al you, yes. do you do you thank sing you. do you sing Happy Birthday, Al? Shall we sing it for him or you? Perhaps? No, I, I can't. No, I'm uh, the 
yeah, no, they don't allow that anymore. I can't sing <laughs> on the radio. All right. So sorry. Let's talk. Although about- we have we've captured Al's voice, so we can make him sing anything <laughs> we want to at any time. <laughs> all right. The new AI agreement. <laughs> Al is all done. Let's let's <laughs> let's dive into that, Toby. From your pr- perspective as an actor, uh, the uh, the agreement uh, just ratified a few days ago by rank and file. What's your overall reaction? I understand you voted against this. Yeah, I did. I thought the the AI protection uh, protections didn't go far enough. I mean, there's some good. We got a seven percent increase over the next couple of years in in base salary, which is good. We have some, you know, we have some other AI kind of protections. You know, we got some background things for background actors. We have a relocation fee. I know when I went to. Atlanta, and I shot the show Halt and Catch Fire, or shot this uh, Apple TV show Dickinson in New York. They gave you five thousand dollars to offset uh, your relocation fee, and they and they don't pay for your lodging, so you have to just show up in New York City and get an apartment, which is pretty pricey five six thousand dollars a month, um, and just take that out of your salary and hope for the best with one month. So they're doing a. Uh, uh, 5000 a month for that, which is great. But I think a lot of this AI stuff hasn't gone far enough. And, I, and you know, they have some things, some vaguely written stuff in there that the, the producers have to ask you if they can use the AI or use your image and likeness for AI in the future. And if you say no, then that's okay. But I think, you know, as part of getting a job initially, if you don't have enough clout, you don't have enough, uh, you know, pull or lawyers, they're just going to say, if you want this job, you got to, you know, consent to us using AI however we want with your image and likeness. And I think younger actors are all going to just sign that thing because they want to work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be tough. To- Toby, in just a minute, for those unacquainted with how AI is affecting actors here, I want to ask you more in depth, have you explained that to, to, to us for, for people who are completely unacquainted with how that might work? But let's go to Al Higgins. You're... First of all, your reaction, uh, Al, to to the new contract for writers. Um, <clears throat> I was I was very happy with our contract. Uh, I thought the writers. Uh, I think the the producers actually miscalculated and they didn't realize just how big of a labor movement this was, and so we were able to leverage that and get things. Uh, every every contract before this was just sort of just barely struggling to get anything and fighting rollbacks and doing that. But this one felt like we actually had some momentum to sort of ask for things and to, to sort of just, you know, what what I liked about it was it, at least it feels like it created a bottom for the producers to sort of have a harder time getting lower than if, if that makes sense. It's like we, our minimums are, you know, everything is sort of established now because for the last three years, they've just been pecking away, pecking away, pecking away. And, so this actually feels like to me, uh, you know, famous last words, that it actually um, stabilized the Writers Guild, at least for now. Mm-hmm. So you voted in favor of this deal, unlike Toby with the actors. Yeah, and, and I think the writers, it was an overwhelming favorableness to the deal. Like, I think it was like 97% or something. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, how, 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 but it wasn't crazy because uh, we believed in our leadership and our, our leadership held strong. And again, for the it's a little different for writers and actors because, because 
writing an AI is a whole different thing than, than using our images. And, and, and so we had, we sort of put in there, like, you can't like just feed a bunch of our old scripts in there and start producing new ones based on our writing. We got, you know, if, if, if a, if an AI writes a draft and then a, and a human takes over, the human has the credit, not the AI and, and just things, the basic things, which were easier for us to get than the sort of changing world of actors voices and, uh, deceased actors, like there's so many things they can manipulate now, image-wise, that uh, that's I think why a lot of the actors were like, we don't want any AI, but that's just not the reality. Yeah, kind of can't stand it. Stop them. To Toby, yeah. you agree? Will you agree with Al that the the writers got a got a better deal, better protections here going forward? Yeah, I think they did, and and, and a couple of reasons. You know, that there's less of them. There's more actors than writers, and and I think it's easier to kind of protect that written word for the time being than it is for actors' likeness and their voices. I think, um, especially with this election coming up in 24, boy, I bet you're going to start to see some real deep fakes happening that you're just not going to be able to tell if that's Joe Biden saying the words that are coming out of his mouth, if some knucklehead in a basement in a tumble just decides to make some video with AI. Um, I think it's going to be, because some of the things he can see already online are, are, are pretty amazing. Yeah. And this thing is happening. It's, it's, it's so happening so quickly and so exponentially. I think in six months, it's going to be vastly different than it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toby, explain a little bit for, for those in our listening audience who are completely unacquainted with how AI may we, we have would have synthesized actors. Uh, I know you're not on the tech side of it, but I'm, I'm I know you yeah. understand enough of it to to explain to lay people how this would work and how is accelerating into you know we may have what TV shows and films that have uh, synthesized actors, people who don't exist, working alongside real humans, or I, I'm not sure. Tell us. Yeah, there's some, you know, there's a, recently just came out, there's some uh, Instagram influencer, some woman who has, she's very cute and she has sort of blue hair, and she's a complete AI-generated thing, and she's also making $11,000 a month showing different products. And no one seems to care. And the guy that invented her said, look, this is not a real human being. But if you look at the photos of her, you go, yeah, uh, it looks like a real human being. And you can't tell the difference. And I think that's going to start happening more and more. Like uh, Facebook, a uh, meta, you know, they, they have a new AI. Their new AI generator has, has been, you know, it's, it, it's used, what, a, a billion, 1.1 billion images that it's trained its AI on. All the images that you uploaded to Facebook all the videos on Facebook, all the videos you uploaded to Instagram and Instagram stories and all the photos on Instagram, it's using all of that to make whatever it wants. I mean, it's a pretty insidious but interesting uh, piece of work they're doing over there. And I think at some point they're going to be able to, you know, go through the Internet and find my face or your face, Ben, they, they can find your face on, on Instagram posts and, and Facebook posts, and they're going to be able to create a Ben Kiefer. And you're going to be able to have this Ben Kiefer guy walk around and say whatever they want him to say. And some of the stuff you might not agree with. 
<laughs> well, I think the more valuable uh, per person to get all the likeness of would be a Toby Huss. But but anyway, mm-hmm. we've we've got a, about a, a minute before we go to break. So you have been in over 150, 160 TV shows and films going back. We, we've got to go to break here. We, but in 30 seconds, Toby, they have you from every angle and your voice, every nuance in your voice. <laughs> Yeah, they do. I mean, they have me if they want me. And I think it's going to be we're going to be hard pressed to uh, put that cat back in the bag, I think. Yeah, that, that's an impossible task, isn't it? You, you can't go backwards here, can you? I don't think so. I don't think so, especially if somebody's making money off something that didn't exist before. And all they have to do is press a couple buttons on a keyboard and they can uh, make some money with it. I don't think they are going to want to go back from that. Okay, Toby Huss, the actor, and Al Higgins uh, joining us from uh, live from Los Angeles. Al, in fact, on the Warner Brothers lot, as he mentioned, will be back to talk more about how AI and other factors are changing showbiz. It's River to River from IPR News. This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. Back with more of River to River from IPR News, I'm Ben Kiefer. Today, we're looking at the entertainment industry. As uh, we know through our news, uh, labor strife shook the entertainment industry for most of 2023. Artificial intelligence, a big concern, but there are other uh, factors, other trends uh, that uh, are changing the working landscape in showbiz. Joining us live from Los Angeles, Al Higgins. He's a veteran writer and producer uh, with Iowa uh, Roots, uh, uh, Toby us, an actor also going way back to the 1990s with his work, uh, playing parts in over 150 or 60 shows and films over time. Uh, Al Higgins, uh, let's go to you again to get the writer's perspective here uh, specifically on uh, AI. Toby explained before the break uh, about how uh, we can have synthesized actors, but what what about writing? Um, Could someone... I mean, AI would, in this case, based on they could have all the things that uh, Al Higgins has written in the past as screenplays and then figure out um, through an algorithm how you tend to write, uh, how you write with humor and so forth and nuance, and then uh, have a script written without you, but it would essentially be your script. Is, is that, am I correct in, in that assessment? <clears throat> yeah, and as you said that, I should get an AI program to do that. So then I wouldn't have to write. So, um, uh, exactly. that's, that's sort of the, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, that'd be so much easier. No, but I think, uh, the writers, instead of fighting it, they're like, I think a lot of the writers, not me cause I'm too old, but I think people are going to use it as a production tool. Like they're going to use it to generate an outline and then, then use their creative. It's almost like you, if you use it right as a writer, forget the studio part of it. You could actually create an outline by putting stuff in that then tweak it and, and sort of use it as a tool. Our fear was that the studios would do all that and then hand it to us and say, fix it. Mm. 
And so, so it's, it's, I think it's going to be one of those things where, and, and you look at it and you go like, well, it's, a, it's a, sh- it's a bad thing. Anyway, like one of those Hallmark movies, you know, I'm sure they can just put in all the characters and the elements and, and, and create a script like that. And you go like, well, it's so cookie cutter anyway. I don't know if anybody would tell the difference. And so I think in the future, there'll be a lot of product like that. That's sort of just easy to swallow. And then I think as writers, you're going to have to just hone your voice and say, well, when you're watching this show, you have uh, Al Higgins voice, or, you know, you, you almost have to brand yourself as a, as a sort of a uniqueness instead of just being a, um, uh, just w- another writer, another comedy writer. Mm. So, so I think it's going to sort of, weed out a lot of the people that are, are okay, you know, like Peter would. And then the people that are really good, I think will have sort of a, uh, you're paying for this qual. You're going to pay a little more for quality instead of just churning out a Hallmark channel movie. Yeah. Well, it's, it seems well, like also the drag about that. Go to drag about that though is too, is that, is that Al got better as he got older, as he got more experience. So, mm-hmm. That's the problem is that you're not going to be able to take a younger writer who might not be formed, might not be that good and let them be on a show like King of the Hill for five years and then go to their own show and then go to another show and really learn on the job and get better and find their voice. I, I think it's going to you're going to be hard pressed to find that trajectory anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and and and, and uh, just one more thing is I, I told somebody what will be interesting if they can program an A.I. writer that if they can program in there that their father was horrible to them, that they were bullied as a kid, if they can program in all these sort of things that make you a writer and make you sensitive and make you, you know, sort of do that, if they can do that, then we're doomed. But I think that's going to be harder and harder to do because, I mean, if you think about it, that'd be kind of interesting if they could program Oscar Wilde into their AI and say, write a sitcom as Oscar Wilde. There's something interesting about that, at least. But I don't know if I'll get to that point. Yeah. Toby and Al, uh, I want you to sit back for a moment and listen to a conversation I had with uh, someone you recommended, and you, um, I think, both work with and have it occasion. Um, Tasha Gol, uh, Golthwaite um, is someone who is on this show, but she couldn't join us live. I spoke with her uh, earlier today. Let's have a listen. Tasha, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Are we reaching you in L.A.? I'm good, yes, in, in bright, sunny, beautiful L.A. All right. We have a bright, sunny Midwest, but <laughs> we digress. Tasha, uh, give us a sense of some of the, the shows you've worked on. Yes, so um, I'm currently working on a HBO show called Somebody Somewhere. I did a film called The Fallout as well on HBO. I've worked on seasons of Joe Para. Uh, in my ACD career, I did the new Twin Peaks. And what else? Uh, oh, I'm about, I just did a movie called Mild Ass that's premiering at Sundance uh, in a few weeks, which we're really excited about with Aubrey Plaza and Maisie Stella. And I think that's about it for now. Tasha, what's it like to, to walk in your shoes to do a day's work uh, as a costume designer? Uh, okay, so to do a day's work as a costume designer, it's definitely not as glamorous as people think. People tend to think we we kind of just shop all day and have a have a nice, lovely day, but most days are probably about 16 hours. And uh, so in the initial prep, 
I'll kind of interview and I'll bring people a big presentation of what I think the character should be like. And that's an interesting part too, because I'll read a script and I won't have talked to anybody involved in it, like the writer director before I have to present. And so I have to kind of think of like what the characters are going to look like and also what these people maybe imagine their characters looking like, um, which is a little bit of a lot. And then once we start prepping, I'm either sourcing fabrics and custom making stuff or yes, we're shopping or pulling from costume houses. And the costume houses are these huge warehouses that have like, there's certain costume houses that are just for military uniforms. There's certain ones that are period clothes. There's certain ones that are contemporary. But, you know, you can get everything wow. from a life-size turtle outfit, a bear, or, <laughs> you know, a bikini from the 1940s for a man. <laughs> um, wow. so, uh, so we're pulling all those together, and then we'd have a fitting. And once we have the fitting, we kind of, you know, that's the real collaborative process with the actor, figuring out who the character is, because there's something... Something really fun too is you could I could have a piece that I thought was fully the character and couldn't wait to get on camera and then I meet the actor and they put it on and it just doesn't work um, and so you know that's uh, a big part of the process is like eliminating and collaborating in that moment and then from there we go into filming so um, all the pieces yeah. have to be fully ready ready and prepped for camera. And I have to go uh, every time before something shoots, I need to be on set to make sure it looks how I want. And what that is, is like maybe a sleeve has to be rolled twice on the right arm, but I want it rolled once on the other one. And that means that person probably is like a little disheveled or something. So those little specifics we pay that much attention to. Wow, Tasha, that sounds fascinating. But those long hours, 16-hour days, we hear, we've heard a lot about, of course, the actor's strike and the writer's strike this year. Uh, but you're on the crew. What is the situation for the crew of films and, and TV uh, series and uh, their uh, working agreements? So we're in IOTC, which is kind of like the umbrella union for all the crew or below the line. So this last year has definitely been really, really brutal because there's been less work. Even if you do uh, could get work in commercials and stuff, they've also been slower. So I went from working 11 months straight, uh, almost like six and seven days sometimes, three different projects, and I was in three different places even, to this year maybe working 40 days. So it's just been a complete brutal like change. And of course, we all or well, I don't know, of course, but I, I stand with my, my actor friends and fully support them. And then we have another strike coming up in, or hopefully <laughs> this summer, and that's for everyone in IOTSI, so all the crew below the line, and really hoping that we do actually strike and we can change those deals that we have now, because especially coming back, this is something I keep seeing, because there hasn't been any work Everyone's really using uh, that to their, everyone meaning like production to their benefit and getting crews for less money because people need any mm. money. Yeah. Give us a sense in normal times, I guess, pre-strike times, um, how well someone on a crew can earn. I imagine there's, is there the whole spectrum from just barely getting by to doing fairly well? Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I mean, you can do fairly well and, you know, 
the the sad thing is a lot of times people make the most money when they're doing overtime, which means you're really stretching your well-being um, and personal life as well. It's kind of, you know, going to the wayside. But the only thing that the reason that we really should strike is, you know, inflation and everything and cost of living. And so now, especially in Los Angeles, it's so expensive to live and the rates haven't gone up in many, many years. They, if they do go up, it'll maybe be a, you know, a 4% increase or something. And it's just not enough for how much it is to, to rent, let alone buy. Mm-hmm. We've heard from Toby Huss and Al Higgins uh, about the the fears of how artificial intelligence is changing the entertainment industry. From your vantage point as a costume designer, um, what 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 kind of dog do you have in this fight <laughs> with AI? Yeah, um, with AI, I mean, you know, you'd like to think that since it's a creative world, like they're you know we we're irreplaceable, but that's definitely not the case. If they're able to uh, replace actors, they'll be replacing their clothes too. Um, so, and it's just like, and you know, it, beyond that in my department, there's so many different people that have different jobs and different roles that are very important. And without, with AI, all those roles would be gone. So it's not, you know, it doesn't, it's not just the head of the department, like a set costumer, for instance, is always checking and making sure the costume's right. Or if it was a horror thing, they're, really in there and they're making sure the blood gags work well and all that. If it's AI, those jobs and positions will be gone. So with the upcoming potential strike for crew and films of of TV, what, what do you most want to um, correct or have in a contract? What's highest on your list? Um, I really hope obviously pay uh, increase, but the real thing is something that I always think about is, is safety and healthcare. I think that how our health hours are banked is kind of bogus and it's not in our favor. And they basically, they go in a bank and they expire after a certain amount of time. And I think that we should be able to have more of them because like, for instance, last year I worked so much, I had an enormous amount of hours and then this year I didn't and I wasn't able to use them from last year. They didn't carry over. Uh, so I, I came very close to losing my health care. And, you know, most people, our healthcare is good. So that's really nice if you can get the hours. And a lot of people, they support their entire families um, with their healthcare. Everybody's independent. So um, that's a big loss. So I hope to change that. And I also, we do something called um, Fratter Days, which is we start filming early on Mondays. And so Monday morning, your call time will be 3, 4 a.m. You know, wardrobe also has to be there before everyone. And because by the time the cast gets there, the outfits have to be in their room already. So if a cast member has to be in three hours of makeup, that means wardrobe was there three hour, or four hours before getting their costume ready so they could put it on to go to makeup. So our, that's also why our hours are so long. And also the same at the end of the day. Like we can't leave until the last cast member changes and then we have to account for those clothes and put it in a very orderly fashion. So, you know, we're there. We're one of the last out as well. But back to your question. So we start filming really early on Mondays. And then as the week goes on, they go later and later. And then by Friday, we do a night shoot. And the reason that is, is because they have to give us a turnaround. But if they film nights on Friday, that turnaround goes into our weekend. 
So they're kind of, they're winning and we're losing. <laughs> they're, you know, getting away with something. And it really sucks because then you stop working at, what, 9 a.m. Saturday. You definitely don't have that day. So you don't really have two days in a row. And just for functioning, <laughs> uh, I think it's healthier if we if we get that decent time off. And what I think is shoots need to be, they keep just making them shorter to save money. They need to be longer and with more, it's not even less hours. The hours are so insane. So I would just say more professional hours. And then that would really help everyone. And also, I think, even help the creativity. But to the also to the AI question, it's sad. But I think that the creative side that all the different department heads add in will be lost. Tasha Goldthwaite is a 37-year-old costume designer, grew up in L.A. Tasha, thanks for your perspective, and we wish you all the best. Thank you so much. Thanks. This has been really fun. That conversation with Tasha recorded earlier today. She couldn't join us live. Uh, Live with us, though, from the Warner Brothers uh, lot in L.A., Al Higgins, veteran writer and producer in Hollywood, also uh, actor Toby Huss uh, somewhere in L.A. as well. Uh, We have to go to break in in a a few minutes. But, Toby, thanks for uh, connecting us with Tasha there so that we have the crew perspective there. In listening to Tasha describe that, I'm sure a lot of our listeners who don't work in the entertainment business had some... uh, well, misconceptions dashed or cleared up there, some myths. It's it's not a lot of glamour. It's a lot of hard work, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Below the line, people work a lot. You know, that's the camera operators and the lighting people, the grips and the wardrobe and makeup. They're there a lot more than a lot of the actors. And the sad thing is, you know, if AI starts to take the actors' jobs, then Tosh is out of work. And, you know, that whole, you know, their whole contract negotiations next summer will be moot because there just won't be a need for wardrobe people anymore. So it's it's a, a massive amount of people are going to lose their jobs if if, you know, AI is fully integrated. Hopefully it'll be somewhat of a, you know, a flash in the pan. It'll be a novelty and people will see it and go, OK, enough of that. Let's get more humans back on making human things. So hopefully that stays. Uh, I don't know how long it will go. Mm-hmm. So you've worked with Tasha a number of times, at least once, I assume. Yeah, yeah. She, her 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 dad is an old buddy of mine. This guy Bobcat Goldthwait, who does a bunch of stuff on your. Uh, wait, wait, wait! Don't tell of me. Of course, yeah. Bob again. Cat. So I've known Tasha since she was a little kid, and she's you know uh, uh, she's worked her way up with little no-paying independent things, and then getting little TV jobs. And now she's, she's really making a name for herself and it's gratifying to watch. And it's that kind of work progression that that's really inherent in what we're all doing. Al's doing, and I'm doing too. And it's, and it's, uh, you know, it can be rough. It can be tough when you start out, but it's a dignified way to work. And, and we want to keep that work and keep the process by which you, uh, grow in that work too. Okay, we're going to take another short break and be back uh, with some concluding remarks um, about the future and other trends aside from AI that Toby and Al see going on in the entertainment business. And uh, perhaps I'll ask them, uh, for someone thinking about going into the entertainment business, a young person perhaps, what should they keep in mind? What advice would they have? Um, We'll be back in just a moment. How AI and other factors are changing showbiz. We have writer and producer Al Higgins and actor Toby Huss joining us live from Los Angeles today. It's River to River from IPR News. 
This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. Back with more of River to River from IPR News, I'm Ben Kiefer, together uh, with Toby Huss, actor, joining us live from Los Angeles, as well as writer and producer Al Higgins, uh, perspectives from uh, those with Iowa roots, in this case, who have worked in show business for decades. Uh, We're talking about how artificial intelligence and other factors are changing it. Uh, Al Higgins, what haven't we mentioned yet this hour that needs to be mentioned as far as trends you're seeing you've both you and toby go back to the 1990s in your work in the entertainment business um well the the big thing is the uh the streaming wars as they call it um these studios have decided to start and whereas netflix sort of started the trend of of streaming and and putting billions of dollars into making programming the other studios sort of tried to keep up and 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 change their business model towards that but I think they're finding out that this business model is not a good one. And so it's, it's, it's sort of their, along with the strikes, they're breaking the business. They're, they're, they got rid of the, you know, the syndication model. They got rid of selling their own product to other companies and getting the highest amount they can from it. You know, they, they've taken out and, and wanting to keep all the profits, they've, they've taken out all competition and all sort of the way it used to be done where a hit show could be sort of, you know, the market would pay a, a, a higher premium for that. And so mm-hmm. they've sort of done a good job of, of breaking the business. And I think what you're going to see in the f- future is uh, them realizing that they've done this and there's going to be some backlash. There's going to be not backlash. I guess I would say they're going to be people stopping their streaming service, going to try to go back to the old model. There's just going to be some uh, just re they're going to rethink the whole business model. And I think that's going to be very scary for a little bit in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toby, talk about streaming from your perspective. You know, I'm, I'm understanding a bit based on what Al is saying about how the payment and streaming has affected it. But you go back to the 90s before we had streaming. Help us understand as people who are not in the entertainment and are not in the minutiae here, how the pay used to work and how it's been changing and the models that um, that Al has been referring to. Yeah, you did a show on network TV, ABC or NBC or CBS. Uh, every time they, re- you you know, you got paid, let's say you got paid $5,000 to act in that episode. And every time they re-ran that episode, you got a percentage back. And, so, you know, it's, I think it started around half and then it would dwindle down from there. But you could get checks you know, for the next few years, just off one episode of television. And sometimes the checks would come in and they'd be for 14 cents, but still, um, you know, you'd still be getting something. And I think the streaming has gotten rid of, of any residual payments off of that. And a lot of actors, I mean, Tasha mentioned that too, a little bit that, that, you know, uh, the residual, that thing is going away. And once that goes away, if you don't make enough money per year, you used to be able to take your residual payments and put that toward your health insurance. You have to make like, I forget what it is, $26,000 a year to qualify for health insurance SAG after health insurance. And, you know, if they're not counting residuals toward that, then there's a lot of people who lose their insurance and they counted on that insurance. And, and, um, 
I think when you're dealing with these big companies that want to maximize quarterly profits, they're going to try to find ways not to pay any residual payments, and they're going to find a way to not let anybody have insurance. Toby, to what extent did the SAG-AFTRA contract address streaming? Yeah, the, the, there's some bonuses in there for streaming, but I, you know, and and we can look at the books at some point. Um, but it's sort of up to, I think, there's something in it. They they negotiated some deal where if if uh, you get a bonus if 20% of the subscribers on a streaming service watch uh, your show within 90 days, but they don't really specify how much you're going to get. And I think we're still leaving it up to the streaming services to be honest in their accounting of this, which <laughs> they're never going to be. It's not how it works. They're going to say, oh, goodness, you had 19% of the people watching, 19% of our subscribers, not 20, so we don't owe anybody anything. It's a slippery slope, I think, too. Mm-hmm. Al, from the writer, writer's perspective on streaming? Yeah, um, it, they've, they've built in something, again, like that, where you get a residual based on performance. Um, but it's it's one of those things where uh, the the corporations now, it's all about a stock price and paying their CEOs. So all they worry about is that. Yeah. So to the stockholders, they say, we're doing great. And to the creatives, they say, we're doing horribly. So it's a weird, they, they, there's such <laughs> fishy accounting now that you can't believe anything. And... But I think the fishy accounting is actually going to be their downfall. And, and my, I think what's going to happen is, is a lot of studios are going to sort of downsize. But within that, you might get more independent studios, outside money coming, and the gatekeepers are gone. Now, now more people outside money and interesting, you know, people that have sort of an interest in television are kind of, going to come in and create smaller studios with a little more transparency and with a little more sharing of profits. Um, I think that might happen in the next, like, five to six years. Veteran writer and producer Al Higgins with us, live from Los Angeles. Uh, actor Toby Huss, uh, the final 10 minutes as we, we talk about how AI and other factors are changing uh, show business. It's River to River from IPR News. Here's, here's a question that came in for, for you, Toby, and I wanted to get to this because it's been some some years, some decades since you were new here and you broke into the business. Um, uh, I, I don't imagine, do, do you do any auditions anymore uh, with the, the way you've established yourself? Yeah, I, I do rare auditions, but I just auditioned for, um, I guess I can, I guess I can, they're doing a new Superman and, I guess I can't say what role, but uh, I, I put myself on tape for that. I thought, okay, well, they want to see what I do. So I did, and um, uh, yeah. So okay, okay. I do now and again, but, but not very often. Okay, what I guess it, I can't say enough about that. It's, it's, I have to keep it a little mum. I should have probably said nothing. Okay. Out. Oh, okay. my God, here comes, here comes DC Comics. Oh, no. Toby, what about more generally, more broadly speaking about audition tapes? Um, SAG's interest in making rules regarding self-tape auditions, that became more common during the pandemic. Uh, Now, you know, as someone breaking into the field, you're shelling out a lot of money to make a quality tape. But, uh, you know, what if you're a young actor trying to do that now in this very quickly changing environment? I would say uh, 
you should try to join the Formula One racing circuit. It might be easier to get into than acting <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I think now I think it's hard. I think um, you got to shell out some money, and it's despicable that they that they have done that. Uh, there's some things. I forget what that is in the contract. I think we've got something in the contract to sort of ease off these these uh, videotaped auditions that people would have to go to a video company to do, and they cost $100, $200, or $300 for each audition. And if you're a young actor, you're going out sometimes five, six times a week. It really adds up fast, you know. Um, so I think they're doing away with some of that, but I also think it, it's it's more difficult than ever to break in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toby, what would you say to someone who, and I'm sure you've had young people coming to you, say, how do I break in, whether it's as, uh, well, as an actor in this case, uh, would you recommend the business or would you say, this is what you're going to face here, at least in the initial years? And you certainly, Toby, uh, have having known you since the 1980s, you paid your dues. Yeah. Yeah, you did. And it was easier to do then. I mean, I had a couple series early on that, 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 paid okay and they had good residuals and I was able to live off that during the lean years and I think for young actors it's going to be really hard but I think the key is trying to create your own content I think it's going to be much more difficult just to say I'm an actor here I am doing some great acting I think you need to learn how to write you need to be able to write your own ticket you should learn how to perform live you should do all sorts of things to uh, put yourself in the business in different capacities other than just an actor. Mm-hmm. Al, for you as a veteran writer in the entertainment business, uh, it was so instructive to hear from Tasha, and we've heard from Toby. Uh, we hear a lot about how actors spend their time on sets and learning scripts and so forth and auditioning. But, you know, the, the writer's um, chores, the challenges that you face are not so well publicized. Talk a little bit about the a day in your life. Uh, is there a typical day? Uh, what are the biggest challenges you face? Um, it's weird because I'm, I'm sort of an old, I've been at this for a long, long time. So it's different for me to, to say, because I, I'm at the point where I, I'm doing a show right now for CBS called Bob Hart's Abishola and we're in our fifth season. And I sort of step back to day by day and, it, you know, people get jealous, but I'm able to just be a consultant on the show and just be funny and help with stories and have fun and not have the pressure. And so, but when I was running shows, it was, the pressure was basically you're running a, you know, a, you know, 50 billion, $50 million for every season, $50 million company. You're the CEO. You're the guy that has to create the product. You're the guy that has to inspect the product. You're the guy. So being a showrunner in Hollywood is is a very soul killing hard job. And so that, that is my day by day. But if, but, but if you're thinking about like people always come to me about breaking in the business, what, what do you recommend? And, and what I recommend for them now is, is, is to write your own. Don't try to uh, go into the system, like with just a script in your hand and a hope, make something on YouTube Make something, use your, get your friends together, write something and get your friends together, create a product. Because even if it doesn't do anything on YouTube, people will see what you can do much better than sort of reading a script and, and trying to find an agent and do all that thing. So right now, like musicians, create your own content if you can. Get it out there and people will see talent. Mm-hmm. And Al, what was your 
your breakout moment? You probably had several, but what would you point to as a, as a real key turning point that helped you along? I was on this cartoon called Doug back in the day in, in the 90s, and I was a writer's assistant, and I was giving the writer uh, ideas. I was just saying, you know, what about this? What about that? And a script fell through, and that writer said, uh, why don't you, that guy was Kenny Scarborough, he said, uh, why don't you give Al a chance to write the script? It's due tomorrow, give Al a chance. And so that sort of gave me the opportunity to show what I could do. I wrote a script, and it was successful. And they said, what do you want to do next year? I said, I'd like to be a writer. And so I, I was just, luckily at that time, you could go into cable and get a smaller, low-paying job and sort of sort of climb up the ladder that way. And that's what I did. And and I went from show to show, and my big break was uh, news radio um, back in the day coming from, you know, that moved me out to L.A. But now those those sort of ways to climb the ladder are, are just getting rarer and rarer. And that's why I'm sort of saying is like you kind of have to do your own thing more mm-hmm. than rely on others to find you. Mm-hmm. Toby, remind us of your breakout moment or moments that you would say that really advanced my career. Well, I think, uh, you know, Al's, I think that's uh, his breakout moment was when he was my roommate. I think that started it all <laughs> off. Is that, is that in fact true? That, that is that, tr- is yeah. that true? Yes? In, yes, I was Toby's roommate yeah. <laughs> in New York City. Lower in, East uh, side. New York City in the Lower East Side. <laughs> I, was, I, I was doing a lot of uh, performing and writing on my own material, and I came up with this character named Barty, the strongest man in the world. Um, at the University of Iowa, and I moved to New York, and I did it there at different performance spaces. And one of the guys who wrote this show called The Adventures of Pete, and Pete, this guy, Will McRobb, came up to me after a live show. I think Lig was John Leguizamo was there, and Cameron Mannheim at this No Shame Theater thing in New York City, I think on Walker Street. And I said, hey, do you want to do this or some promos on Nickelodeon, do your character? I went, yeah, why not? And those promos were 30-second spots and then 60-second spots, and then they got a pilot, and they wrote the pilot, and they put me in the pilot, and then I did this show called The Adventures of Pete and Pete for a couple of years, and that led to uh, agents and managers and moving to Los Angeles, and uh, led to MTV promos and meeting Mike Judge, and then I did King of the Hill for a bunch of years, and that was kind of the beginning of everything. Yeah, and, and the same question that Al addressed here, is the ladder to advance as an actor, how has that changed? Are some of those ladders just not there anymore that uh, you climbed, Toby? No, I think for act- actually for actors, they're still there, but Al has a, a good point. It's It's you know, you have to get stuff on the internet. You, you can't just hope that somebody stumbles into your show at 11 o'clock on a Wednesday night and this guy happens to be very creative and has a little deal with Nickelodeon. No, you have to put stuff out on the internet. But I think as far as that goes, yes, you can write your own material. You can come up with your own ideas. You can get a bunch of friends. You can shoot it for a nickel and you put it out there and you keep doing that and somebody will see it at some point. Mm-hmm. Toby, you've been working as an actor since the 1990s. I wonder, since we're talking about AI and trying to sort of crystal ball how it will change things in the coming years, you've already had a lot of technical changes in your career since the 90s. CGI, for instance, uh, it must have changed your life as, as on the set as an actor quite a bit. Well, a little bit, but not really, because most of the stuff that I've done is, is, you know, if they do any CGI stuff, it's after I've done the acting. So it's, um, you know, it's all a lot of the special effects I've done in shoot 'em up movies. There's a movie Cop Shop I did recently that was 
a lot of shooting and Uzi, and that was all done on the set. We had guns and we had blanks and we shot them off and people got punched and, and uh, killed and <laughs> Gerard Butler got to beat me up and thankfully we got the stunt guy in just uh, quick enough for him to get knocked out accidentally. But then, uh, you know, I had to die in a, in a, in a shower. That was fine. And that was, that was all done in, in real time. Mm-hmm. Uh, very quickly, t- Toby, since you, you broached the topic and uh, we know the, the big story with Alec Baldwin, uh, are guns treated differently on the set these days than they were before that tragedy? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's really locked down now in a, in a really smart and generous and great way. They, they don't let actors pick those things up until the last second and they show the whole crew, everybody around to come look in the barrel of the gun. There's nothing in there. They're, they're usually very professional about that. The, the Alec Baldwin incident as, as was a real outlier, a real tragedy, but it just doesn't happen that often. Thank God. Uh, Al, we have 30 seconds left. Leave us with your, your hopes for the future. Uh, my hopes for the future, I'm going to be retired. That's my hope. <laughs> and young people will have to deal with this, and I won't have to deal with it anymore. Um, but I think, I think I truly believe there's a future in Hollywood. It's going to be for less money, and, but I think the gatekeepers are going to sort of leave town. Like the music industry, you know, where it sort of did this change, I think – there's going to be changes, but if you have talent, talent will rise, and I think you will be able to make a living still. Al Higgins, writer and producer, and actor Toby Huss. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your perspectives live from Los Angeles this hour. Uh, you two with Iowa Roots, we appreciate you having you on. No problem. Sure thing, Ben. Welcome, ben. Yeah. Today's program produced by Caitlin Troutman. I'm Ben Kiefer. Thanks for joining us.